Hi everyone and welcome to the Perma Podcast. I am James Prescott, your host. Welcome to the show. It's really great to be with you all. Uh, I'm delighted to be joined by um, a new guest today uh, and I'm really excited about this one. Um, uh, welcome Kristin Denoyer to the show. Hello, I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, it's really great to be here. It's been uh, been been uh, long in the organising. It's really great to have you on. Yes, I'm excited. Yeah, um, and you do a bit of writing, don't you? And a few other other a little bit bits and pieces. Is that right? Yeah. So I am a small business owner. I'm a copywriter by profession, um, and I'm also a seminarian, kind of um, focusing in on spiritual formation, contextualization, and discipleship. Um, so I do a lot of writing and speaking kind of in those areas. I also talk about singleness and mental health a lot. So those are kind of the different hats that I wear in this space. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's fantastic. Uh, and we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about singleness. Mm -hmm. Um, I've had people on before to talk about this. It's such an important subject. It's not talked about enough. I don't think, and, and as a single person, I, I I noticed that it's not talked about enough. Um, so um, yeah, it's uh, I'm looking forward to this this conversation. And we're going to talk about singleness as hospitality, which um, I think is a really interesting in subject. So um, yeah, let's get into that and just so define define hospitality for us and how that mm -hmm. how that kind of intertwines with the singleness conversation. For sure. So I've played around with so many different, different definitions of hospitality, and there's some just really good conversations around hospitality happening, especially in the past two years. Um, but I think one that I resonate the most with and how I practice it um, is cultivating spaces of welcome and safety and extending an invitation for others to enter into them. So from my perspective, like hospitality does need to be intentionally cultivated. It's not something that just happens organically. Um, and it does need to have that aspect of safety and warmth if it's about preemptively loving whoever, whoever I'm inviting into that space. Um, and there does need to be an active invitational piece so that it's not centered on like my comfort, but it's intentionally built to be shared with others. <laughs> Um, so tying that into like the singleness conversation, I think the singleness conversation is hard and I think it's hard because it can be entered from so many different perspectives and places. Um, so I mm. argue that like majority culture narrative, whether it's like socially or theologically is that partnered relationships are a default. And that not being in them says something significant about who you are as a person. So I would say that that's kind of like a baseline majority narrative. Um, but there's such a diversity of perspective and experience in that. Um, so for some, yeah. some people, like singleness is viewed as pre-marriage and it's about finding the right person or the right time. Um, and that's great. And for some people, there isn't a desire for a partnered relationship or a partnered relationship that's necessarily about romance or sex. And that's equally valid. 
Um, and some people choose to be single intentionally or vocationally. And some people have been in partnered relationships that have deep wounding and trauma attached to them. And some people have been in really good partnered relationships that they're grieving the loss of. So like singleness is not a monolith. So I find it unhelpful Mm -hmm. to talk about it like it is. Um, I also think that like, when I started talking about singleness, I had a significant amount of apprehension Um, And I remember the first time I publicly wrote something on singleness, I was so nervous um, because even though I was talking about how at the time I enjoyed it and felt distinctly called to it, et cetera, et cetera, there was still that narrative of not partnered equals not chosen equals not good enough. And I felt like talking about my singleness just opened the door for other people to decide what it was about me that needed to be fixed so I could quote unquote graduate to this partnered status. So there was some fear going into the conversation of like, is this an invitation for people to speculate on the reason for my singleness? Um, and so a reframe that I had to do um in like starting to talk about singleness publicly was to acknowledge that when I'm hosting the conversation, so when it's in like my proverbial living room or around my dining room table, I get to set the tone and atmosphere and ambiance around it. So one of my values in this conversation is cultivating space for some of those walls and fears to come down and some of those like strong feelings to be verbalized but in an environment that is warm and hopeful and rested um Mm. yeah so and that's where the hospitality thing comes in isn't it that create that environment for other people Mm -hmm. um and yeah when we when we were talking about this beforehand you mentioned things about like reframing narratives, mm-hmm. um, you know, things like loneliness and, and pity, which like, when, you know, loneliness is a thing that can be common when you're single, but it can also be common in relationships mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think loneliness is not about your marital status necessarily. Um, and then the whole pity thing, which is like, you know, which we, where and I know this is a single person, I'm sure you've experienced this a little bit yeah. too, where you get coupled up people kind of like, well-meaning coupled up people um kind of wanting to kind of empathize or or sympathize with you mm-hmm. um and support you and it turns out that it kind of becomes like a, a whole pity thing which you don't really want i mean i i you know I, I don't want pity as a single person um but yeah and that and how that fits in with with hospital with the whole hospitality thing as well mm-hmm. yeah i think for me like a lot of what you were saying totally resonates with like reframing for me was like most of how I saw singleness modeled and like the narratives around it um, sent the message that I'm supposed to hate it. And to be single is to either be like bitter and resentful or immature and selfish. And like, those are characteristics that like outside people or narratives are kind of assigning me. And 
like you said, there's this distinct assumption of loneliness. Um, and I would argue that, again, what you were saying, like singleness and single people don't have the corner on loneliness. I think we experience loneliness in distinctive ways. Um, yeah. But I don't think loneliness and singleness are synonymous. Um, and kind of that default posture um, of pity, especially towards long-term singleness. Um so I like kind of want to sit in that and make sure that I say that like a lot of times like that hurt and like the bitterness or the resentfulness um, towards singleness is really justified, especially for people who didn't intentionally choose singleness or weren't planning to be single at this time in their lives for any number of reasons. And like, Anytime a dream dies, that is worthy of lament. Um, and anytime the trajectory we thought we were on drastically changes, even if it's a good change that we're thankful for, like there needs to be room to grieve what could have been. Um, yep. So I don't want like a framing of singleness as hospitality to be like, this cheap positivity or like uh, just decide to have a better attitude about it. Um, Cause that is so not my heart at all. Um, but for me, like reframing singleness as hospitality is a way that I get to reclaim agency and say that I get a say in how I'm going to walk this. Um and I do think that single people are uniquely positioned for welcome. And um, that's not about like proving my value as a single person by doing more things, but like on a purely practical level, it's easier for me to drop everything and drive across the state to pick up someone from the airport in the time in the when we got on planes um, or to like call one of my friends who parents and realize, Hey, they're having a really rough day up to their eyeballs in virtual learning and all of this, whatever with all their kids, I could go grab groceries or pick up takeout and drop it off at their house. Like I have the margin to do that. Um, or if I have a friend who's in an unsafe space, you know, emotionally, I can, offer my couch without really having to confirm or check in with other people. Like it's just on a practical level. Um, I have this agency and this freedom to operate from this posture of welcome. Um, and that's not to say that I should be expected to do things like work holidays or stay late to stack chairs or <laughs> babysit for free or whatever, but that in my Singleness, I have the agency to cultivate these spaces of welcome and meet the exact needs that I see in my community. So, mm, yeah, there is, there's always been that element of like singleness is an opportunity. There's, there's freedoms which come with yeah. singleness, which allow you to do things that you wouldn't be able to do if you, if you were partnered. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, yeah, like some of the things you mentioned, you know, and especially when we come out of the pandemic, you know, there'll be more opportunities for that. But um, even in the pandemic, there's there's this opportunity for that if we're if we're creative, mm -hmm. um, absolutely. And you know, being single during the pandemic is mm -hmm. 
you know, I talked about this with somebody else on the podcast um, last year that singleness in the podcast, singleness in the pandemic is, you know, it's, it's been it's been it's been really tough for some people because many single people live on their own, and so they, and because of the lockdown rules and because of the pandemic, they haven't really been able to go and see people. They haven't been able to go and see people, and they haven't been able to have people round. And so some people have not been able to see their families. They've not been able to see friends, and they've not. I mean, in person, uh, and uh, it's it's not easy, you know. I've I know that my mental health has has suffered during the pandemic because of that, partly because of that at times, uh, and um, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, what's your kind of your thoughts on that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I have. Um, questions and just like wondering about what kind of studies are going to emerge out of this just like comparing um like the impact of the pandemic on partnered people people with kids versus the impact on single people or people living with um housemates um because I do think we walked a distinct kind of isolation and loneliness this year um, and just like conversations with like partnered friends with kids, um, and so many of them kind of being from a place of like, I just want time by myself. Like, I just need a place where there are no other humans. Um, and my experience is totally different where I'm like, I need connection and companionship. ASAP and I so miss other humans um and so just like that contrast of even the ways that we're experiencing this like collectively traumatic event um are so different based on that and like I come in to um the the crazy hard that is this year like with pre-existing mental health conditions and like genetic um depression and stuff that I've wrestled with for over a decade um Mm. and so there have been periods of time in this year where that isolation has really taken its toll on my ability to function um and like I have done enough work to like know what I need to thrive and like I know I need a faith community I know I need a therapist I know I need to constant consistently be moving my body um and like for a while my gym was shut down and I couldn't gather with my faith community and um, didn't have like all of these, um, like interpersonal connections with friends that I was used to because my house was kind of a hub for just hosting space and gathering and people and sharing meals. And that's taken away. Um, and my ability to function, um, also really suffers for it. So I felt that a lot this year in walking time of pandemic yeah. as a single yeah, I person. That. It's, um, um, but I think it also difficult. really highlighted. Uh, I, 
our need for friendship across um, the board. Difficult stuff too. And it's, you know, it's been, it's been really painful uh, at times and yeah, not being able to go out and see people and not being able to go out and meet people. And, uh, you know, I, uh, yeah, it's definitely been a challenge. I mean, one of the things that I have found um, is that uh, we've, you know, that we've, um, is, is organizing. I've, I've been organizing online events with people, um, like for single people. Like on Boxing Day, I, uh, me and a friend of mine organized this event for, for single people and people that were uh, on their own for Christmas and people who were living on their own just to give them support and to uh, to help them um, with dealing with that season on their own. And it was, um, uh, you know, and it was actually really beneficial, I know, for a lot of people who, who came and, you know, you played games and things. And it was actually really good to have that kind of community and support each other and, and have that friendship, um, especially at that time of year where, you know, where singleness uh, and being on your own is, is, is more difficult than ever. So yeah, it's um, uh, yeah, it's definitely a challenge. Yeah, I love that um, and creating that space for um, togetherness and connection um, in that space that can be where we can be acutely aware of our singleness on any year in that. Um, but then especially this year, that added layer of hard and aloneness. Um, and I think one of the things that that speaks to across the board is our need for friendship. Um, Mm. how like both in the singleness world and in the, the, um, conversations with partnered friends, like I, need friendship in my isolation and they need friendship in their version of isolation. And one of the things that is distinctly lacking in both of our worlds this year is this consistent, reliable um, ability to connect with friends. Um, And so I think that that is also something that highlights how we have the same needs um, and how much we need each other in those spaces. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it was, it kind of came out of the blue that, that whole idea. I was just like joking, almost joking about it on Twitter and somebody said, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, I love So that. I arranged it and it just, um, yeah, it was, it was fun. I think about 20 people came mm-hmm. Um just for a couple of hours on Boxing Day, it was it was brilliant, you know, and made some new friends that way as well, and that was fantastic, you know. Um, even online friends right now is um, is still a really a real gift, right. and you know, connecting on Twitter even. I mean, even Twitter has become more important in some ways. Yeah. Um, for me, it's become like a way of connecting with my friends mm-hmm. and talking to them. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it's it's actually. Um, been a positive thing you know, we talk about social media negatively a lot and mm-hmm. um, I think in the last year it's been a real positive for, for a lot of people too because it's a way for people to connect and have conversation without you know with obviously the limitations of the pandemic and not being able to go out but still being able to connect and that's really really important yeah 
that's cool. Um, so yeah, I mean, um, and you're right about the need for friendship. We 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 do need friends. Um, I mean, we all need friends, but particularly single people in a pandemic. Mm-hmm. You know, you need a support network around you. You need to know who your people are. Mm-hmm. You need people you can talk to, who you can share with when you're struggling. And I think also. Um, like having therapy as well, you know, um, for your mental health is really, really good. Even if you're in a good place, actually, I think it's, mm-hmm. even if your mental health is good, I think having a therapist you talk to once every so often is, can be good for just processing whatever's going on inside. And I know therapy has helped me, yes. uh, you know, even in good periods where things have going, been going well, that mm-hmm. you know, therapy has been really, really, really helpful if, you know, uh, and there are, there are affordable options out there, but, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I always, I always recommend that to people. Yeah. Big fan of therapy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, I mean, you know, one of the things we talked about when preparing for this was, was in relation to hospitality, was hospitality towards towards ourselves, you know, invitations to be with ourselves. Um, so just what, what, are you, what, what are your thoughts on that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think another big thing from this year has been because I have all of this extra space and time that I am alone um, and am occupying spaces just by myself, um, I have had to practice being with myself. Um, And I think it's easy for me, when I'm in relationship constantly and when I'm constantly going and have so many things to do that I can pay attention to other people's needs really well and I can learn other people um, and I just neglect knowing myself and um, learning kind of the intricacies and the in and outs of who I am. Um, Mm. And so having all this time this year where I'm kind of just like, I am hanging out with me today, Um, just learning um, so much in how I um, react to things and what are um, things that evoke certain responses in me and um, what are things that make me sad, what are things that I get really excited about um, how can I offer hospitality to my body, to my emotions, to my mind and welcome them into a space of wholeness? Um, and I think one of the huge benefits of that this year was really learning how to practice being instead of doing and so much of what I was working towards and doing and had on my list of accomplishments um, were things that weren't necessarily possible um, in the circumstances we found ourselves in. And so I had to unlearn a lot of my perfectionism and a lot of my tendencies towards performance and approval and kind of that like internalized capitalism of like I am not valued except for what I contribute 
Um, and I would easily be able to say that to someone else and speak that truth into their lives and say, Hey, you are worth so much more than what you were bringing to the table, but circling it back in on myself and believing it about myself is an entirely different story. Um, and Mm. giving myself permission to rest permission to just practice being um, in relationship with myself, in relationship with my housemates, in in relationship with God, all of these things um, to kind of release the urgency of getting things done um, and just rest. And um, one of the practices that I started implementing was Um, It started as just the one thing a day rule. So um, in the periods where my mental health was specifically struggling and my functionality was struggling, um, I would extend myself an invitation to do one thing that day. And sometimes it was making soup. And sometimes it was just putting on makeup. And sometimes it was reaching out to someone I needed to have a conversation with or talking to my mom, or just something simple, um, and just one thing, and that was enough. And there were so many days where I would do that one thing, and I would be exhausted, and um, I would feel so much shame that I'm supposed to be contributing more, and that really wasn't much, and all of that, Um, and stepping back and being like, well, you did your one thing, Um, and that was good enough and you can hold that and be thankful for the gift of doing that one thing. Um, and it has kind of turned into like a three things. Um, so even now as I'm more in a rhythm with work and my business and school, um, and writing projects, um, and things aren't as like complete halt as they were, um, a significant portion of last year. Um, it's still extending grace to myself in, Hey, we're going to look at the top three things for today and then we're going to be done and that's going to be enough and it's going to be okay. Um, and really offering myself, um, the invitation to examine, like, what do I have to prove and who am I trying to prove it to, you know? Um, and Mm. so I don't have to prove my worth. I don't have to prove my value. I don't have to prove my intellect. I don't have to prove all of these things where the answer really came down to I'm trying to prove it to myself. Um, And so offering grace to myself um, to be able to say that was really good for today. And there are so many things competing for your attention and your body's attention and your heart's attention and um, your ability to function and honor your wholeness right now means that now you can rest. Um, so that has been huge in this year of just learning to be with myself, to offer hospitality to myself um, and to really take care of myself as a single person in the space that is this year. Yeah, that sounds 
that sounds wonderful. Mm. And I, I mean, I a lot, I resonate with a lot of that. Mm. That uh, I've done a lot of embodiment work this year and starting to name my body as a person, as a him, yes. and connect with with him in that way, and uh, listen to him and be with him, and becoming more fully embodied this year is has helped me become less lonely yeah. because I've been able to be with myself yes. uh, and know that and uh, be with my body. And when you reach that kind of moment where you feel really connected in that way, the loneliness kind of dissipates a little bit. And I, I, would, I really encourage everyone to do embodiment work. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it is, it is so transformative. Mm-hmm. Um it sounds like kind of that's similar to what you've been doing and mm-hmm. you know and yeah just the simple things every day just like don't you don't we don't have to prove ourselves to anybody mm-hmm. you know um we have value not for what we do but for who we are yeah um and you know offering hospitality to a to our body and, and to our emotions and our mind you know it's um taking care of ourselves because that's really important especially right now mm-hmm. yeah 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 i think um, um a lot of times when we do this deep work of like emotional health or embodiment work or mental health etc um we often talk about it with like a so that qualifier and i think Um, this is like a narrative, like surrounding singleness a lot too. Like, oh, I need to um, work on my appearance in this area so that someone will find me attractive or I need to go to therapy so that I don't bring baggage into future relationships. And I just think it's so important that instead of healing so that we don't have baggage, we heal so that we heal. Like we're worthy of giving ourselves the gift of healing. Um, and in that we can have grace for ourselves. Like this year was hard and right now is hard. And so many of us are just like in survival mode. And to be honest, healing is hard work. Um, so there's grace for that. And that's why I love the imagery of hospitality so much because it is an invitation. And part of the nature of an invitation is that there's the agency to choose not to accept it. Um, and I think we, we can have a posture of welcome towards our bodies and our minds and our souls and also say, I don't have the capacity or the energy to do this work right now. And I want to honor that and give myself grace to just be and just rest um, and know that I will heal um, and I will do the work of healing. But if I can't do that today, that's okay. And we have tomorrow. Um, And so like holding those things in tension of giving ourselves the gift of healing and also giving ourselves the grace to hold space for when it feels like too much. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 
um, having grace with ourselves is so important and not expecting perfection. Um, you know, and yeah, and I think it's really important as well. Solidarity is so important um, that we that we hear other people's stories. Um, that's one of the reasons I do this podcast is to share people's stories because um, it's really important for us to know we're not alone, um, especially as single people, you know. Um, and there's some great people out there who are doing great work um, around singleness and sharing their stories, and including you, and there's others as well. Um, Holly Stalkup, who's been on this show as well, she's doing some amazing stuff mm-hmm. around this, and um, there's other people too. And it's it's just really good to know we're not alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we hear somebody else is going through what we're going through, it makes it that little bit easier because we know that there's others there's others going through it with us, and there there's people we can reach out to, there's people we can talk to um, who understand what what the challenges that we're that we're facing are. And um, and that's that's really really important. That's what that helps get us through. Yeah, yeah. I love the talk that uh, Chimamanda Adichie did a few years ago about the danger of a single story um, and how it is so easy to just latch on to one specific narrative about something and decide that that is the only story uh, that applies to that station. Um, And how we grow as people um, and the world is a little fuller and more whole and more connected and relational when we disrupt the single story narrative and like have that diversity of experience and perspective um, in order to depend on each other's stories. Um, so I love that in like relation to singleness, there is such a diversity in our experiences of singleness and we can learn from each other in them and in our relationships with partnered people, um, we need their stories and they need our stories. Um, and we learn and grow from both of those too. And I think of one time there was a conversation I had with a a married friend who has three kids and um, she was sharing how she got married before a lot of her friends and had kids before most of her friends. And um, at a certain point just started being excluded from everything that her friends were doing because she had kids and they just assumed she didn't want to come or that it would be too late or it would be over bedtime or whatever and how that was so hurtful to her. And it was really important for me to hear that story uh, because I can often get stuck in a narrative that I'm the one being excluded Uh, Mm. and that partner people do everything without me and um, don't acknowledge when I need community or don't invite me to things. Um, and so I needed her story to disrupt my narrative so that we could love each other better. Um, yeah. And that's something that we've really like pulled on in our friendship. It's like, Hey, am I like 
you know, organizing these events in a way that makes you feel um, like it's not a place for you or, hey, I just want to make sure that you know you're invited to this, even though it's all other partnered people at this point. You know, I want to make sure that you know you're welcome and just really being intentional about verbalizing. I want you in this space and you matter to me and you belong here. Yeah, I think that's really, really important. Is, um, we need to hear each other's stories mm-hmm. because uh, we can connect with each other and learn from each other. Okay. Um, even when we're in different circumstances, even when um, we even believe different things, we can still connect with each other through story. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a great believer in that. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so just to finish, what would be your... What word of wisdom, encouragement, hope would you want to offer to single people listening today? Mm. Have to narrow it down to one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, one or two. One or two, guys. No, I just um, hope that in like these little pieces of my story that there are little pieces of your story that resonate and um, that um, we're able to enter into spaces of belonging um, and hospitality and warmth that um, are places of healing together and individually um and just the permission to give ourselves grace to lament the things that we need to lament um but also to kind of reclaim agency over the narrative um and to be able to make this station that we're walking um distinctly unique to who we are as people to the callings that we have um, and to the ways that we, you know, contribute to the kingdom, to belonging, to relationship, um, and honor those roles of friendship and belonging with each other. So, thank you, mm-hmm. thank you so much. Um, where can people connect with you online? Yeah, find your work. So I am on Instagram and Twitter. Instagram, my handle is uh, Kristen Denoyer, and then Twitter, I think, is the same. Yeah, at Kristen Denoyer. Um, so those are main places that I am having conversations, hosting spaces, um, talking about these kinds of things. Fantastic. I would highly recommend you connect with Kristen there as well. So um, thanks for coming on the show and um, thanks for listening, everybody.